Hello everyone and thank you so much as always for clicking on this podcast and this particular episode of Joe Blogs about films, whether you're a first-time listener or a long-time listener. As always, it means the world. Thank you so much for clicking, for spinning, for sharing, whatever it is. It really does mean an awful lot. Director Yorgos Lanthimos brings us poor things, based on the 1992 novel by Alistair Gray, which I, obviously, am incredibly late to the party for this, seeing as the film has been out for over a month or so, is it? But it was certainly one that I did want to catch on the back of the trailers, and then seeing how well the film has gone down with audiences and critics, gaining 11 nominations at the upcoming Oscars, that interest and intrigue of mine, you know, it's just upped a lot, just a little bit more. I haven't actually really spoken an awful lot about the Oscar nominations on the podcast. I mean, maybe a little bit, but there's just been an awful lot of talk, obviously, about who's been nominated and who hasn't been. I think there are some glaring big snubs this year, and you'll know who that's in relation to. And again, I've I've not seen all of the films nominated. Heck, I, I'm still yet to see Killers of the Flower Moon, but I can absolutely see why Poor Things has gained the 11 nominations the film has under its belt. I mean, I'd go as far to say that I wouldn't be surprised if this takes a few away from Nolan's Oppenheimer. Poor Things is excellent. Lanthimos has delivered a beautiful-looking film with the aesthetics and costume. There's a beautiful score in there as well, and it's capped off with some brilliant camera work that helps bring this weird and wonderful world to life, all while incorporating themes and commentary of how women are, you know, often limited and controlled both systematically and interpersonally. And whilst these themes are serious matters, Lanthimos delivers it with humour, which I thought he captured that tone excellently throughout the entire film. Like, it never jolts or shifts slightly. It's just perfect all the way through. The script is fantastic, made more so by a phenomenal performance from Emma Stone. Like The whole cast really is just quite excellent, and I'm very interested to see what it does bag at the Oscars for sure. And that's what we're going to be talking about on this episode of Joe Blogs About Films, which of course is available on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, all that jazz, you know where it is, rss.com. If you can jump onto the socials, in particular Facebook and Instagram, search Joe Blogs About Films on there, keep up to date, hit like, hit follow, that'd be amazing. Uh, finally as well, sorry, wherever it is that you're streaming the podcast through, leave us a review, that would be very, very appreciated if you could do so. Thank you again. The incredible tale about the fantastical evolution of Bella Baxter, a young woman brought back to life by the brilliant and unorthodox scientist, Dr. Godwin Baxter. I feel I have to start off by talking about my favourite aspect of the movie, the cinematography. Like, the look of this film... My goodness, it's remarkable. Cinematographer Robbie Ryan used some great techniques to really elevate a scene or sequence. There's like this fisheye approach in certain places that really makes a scene feel bigger. We also have like a peephole effect, which I really, really loved. And just the world itself was made to feel so real in such an unreal way, if that makes any sense. The settings, they, they feel really familiar, but it's made so weird and wonderful with its sets and use of colour that seeps into the film once Bella leaves her restricted life at home and enters the real world. The colours just never stop the fervour that Bella develops, and I thought that was a real great touch. Now, Robbie Ryan stated to Screen Daily recently that the whole idea is that it's meant to be unreal. It's not meant to be a realistic look. It's wonderful because it's not real. It's evocative and you can let your imagination loose. It's like tapping into 
when you read a book and you might imagine your wildest dreams. And honestly, the whole team excelled in this area. Every new location is awe-inspiring and you can't wait to see where Bella ends up next, be that, you know, the brightly lit Lisbon or a brothel in Paris. It's easily one of the best-looking and visual films I've seen in a long time. But seeing as this is Bella's story, we have to commend the wonderful and, as earlier stated, phenomenal performance from Emma Stone. It's possibly Stone's best performance to date. Her range is outrageous and wild and perfectly captures a person that's been brought back to life with that of a brain from a newborn baby. We follow Bella's progression and development from being non-verbal, unable to walk properly and not behaving as society expects a woman to, you know, then to evolve in into someone with the most eloquent and varied vocabulary keen to learn and understand and stand for what she believes in no matter who disagrees or tries to oppress her it really is honestly a captivating performance and script and one that never shies away from the details of what bella is experiencing be that a toxic relationship or just the intimate scenes that the film has and believe me, there's a lot of furious jumping, as Bella puts it. I stress, honestly, that Emma Stone's performance in this is really phenomenal, and thankfully one that has been nominated for an Oscar. I'll be surprised, if I'm being honest again, if she doesn't bag it, complete honesty there. But I have to mention as well that the wardrobe for Bella and the outfits all round were just another big standout of the film. Like Each piece was perfect for a character, dependent on where they were in their story and journey. Excellent stuff. Now, the other standout is Stone's opposite for most of the film, Mark Ruffalo. A lot has already been said, I know, about Ruffalo in this film, and mainly that it's just fantastic to see him thrive in something that isn't Marvel-related, which I completely echo those statements. But Ruffalo plays Duncan Wedderburn, who arrives into Bella's life just as she's beginning to explore herself more, and thus, Bella's first lover and relationship is born, sparking some of the best sequences that the film has to offer. Bella, with her brilliant choice of words, having no care for what she says is the polar opposite for the fine wine and dining gentleman that is Duncan who himself again he is like the complete opposite of Bella's fiance Mac McCandles played very well again by Rami Youssef but obviously just back to Duncan for a little bit longer the scene where the two of them are having dinner with two of Duncan's friends was an absolute blast and had me hysterical in the cinema. It's, it's just fantastic. But with Duncan comes the insecurities and the control, something that Bella has dealt with her whole life, you know, having been controlled and kept in by her father. Again, brilliant performer. Everyone's brilliant performers, but again, really great from Willem Dafoe. Like, quick shout as well to the makeup and the costume team because the prosthetics on Dafoe were top-notch. And so obviously with the further development and understanding that Duncan isn't that right man for Bella and that her feelings as they develop tell her all of this, she decides to leave. This then obviously leads Duncan to perceive Bella as this evil woman who manipulated and took everything away from him, when in fact, she's done nothing of the sort and is only taking charge of her own life and being who she wants to be without anyone else telling her otherwise. Again, that commentary, you know, and the message coming in from Lanthimos, but he's not hitting you over the head with it. He uses comedy to bring that message across and it worked an absolute treat. All of it just worked so, so well. I really did enjoy watching Emma Stone's performance as to her character's journey all the way through this. It's one of the best character study and character pieces that I've seen in, in such a long time. And it's a brilliant, brilliant and original piece of cinema that is just wacky as hell, but one that has to be seen by all. It's another 9 out of 10 for me this year. Possibly, again, even higher after rewatches. A really, really great one. And, and again, I'm just interested and in, intrigued to see how well it will do 
at this year's Oscars. But if you've seen poor things, do let me know. Get in touch. I'd love to hear your thoughts as well. What's your ranking out of 10? Do you think as well Emma Stone should get the Oscar for her performance? I certainly think so. But as always, thank you so much again for listening. It really is appreciated. Don't forget to jump onto the socials, Instagram and Facebook, search Joe Blogs About Films and give us a like and a follow on there. If you could just, though, leave a review, that would be very much appreciated. But until the next episode, take care.